they're not really talking about what their test results are because they're not talking about the fact that there's six Bumble Dudes on the string. Welcome to the Queendom. Your host, Lauren Mortacini. Hello and welcome back to Thy Queendom Come, a podcast where we talk about sex, spirituality, life, and all of the things that come with it. The messy things, the beautiful things, the light, the dark, the fucked up, the uncomfortable, and the things that we're not really taught how to talk about, but they're important to talk about because they shape our human experience and the way that we see others, right? Um, my name's Lauren. I am your host. You can find me on my socials and keep up with my bullshit there at Queendom Low. You know, having a podcast where you do talk about life and sex and taboo-ish topics that we're not taught how to talk about is you get like a little bit of judgment, a little bit of shade, a little bit of hate. Um, it just kind of comes with the territory when you are, I guess, talking about things that people really, you know, I guess we're not taught how to talk about them because they are difficult to talk about. And there are so many different opinions and there are so many different beliefs and we hold those, you know, we hold those so firmly sometimes. And yeah, you know, you piss people off. <laughs> Especially, I get on here and I talk about my real life. I, and that's why I started this, because I, I wanted to be unafraid to speak my truth and tell my stories and, and hear stories back and encourage people to step into this space of just like, fuck the bullshit. Let's talk about real things, right? Like, that's what I wanted. And I knew that that inevitably came with judgment, opinions, with hate, with, with, you know, as soon as I put my voice out there, it's, it's no longer mine, you know? I mean, it's, it's my art, but it, it's for whoever listens to it. It's theirs now. It's, their, it's theirs to make an opinion on. It's theirs to do whatever with. And I get that and I'm okay with that. And it's something I've, I've learned throughout this process. And throughout this process, I've known that there are people as close as in my family and as far as people who I went to fucking middle school with and people I met randomly here or there. I've known that there's opinions. I've known that there's, you know, oh, like, does she need this much attention putting her, her body on the internet? Or, oh my God, she's such a slut. Whatever, you know? I've known that it's existed. But honestly, like, I really haven't gotten that much hate to my face. I feel like I've been extremely fortunate in that sense because you know the internet trolls, they're fucking ruthless. And what's worse than internet trolls is people who actually know you, um, people who you actually love and hold close. Um, and I've known that they hate is in both places. Just a couple months ago, I said, you know, I know it's there. I've heard it indirectly, but I'm actually 
ready for it to be direct. I'm, I'm ready to confront it. The, the enemy you know is better than the one you don't. At least then I'll, I'll know. At least then I can, I can come face to face with it. When I called that in though, <laughs> because essentially I think that's what I was doing. I was calling it in. I was like, all right, you know, I'm ready. But when I called that in, I never fucking expected it to hit so close to home. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of like an extremist in life. So it does make sense in hindsight. I should have fucking expected it. But I definitely did not. So recently, I released an episode titled My First Sex Party. And if you haven't listened to it, it might be a good idea to pause now and go listen to it just for, you know, a frame of reference for where this episode is going. A recap, I drove down to LA to a sex party, decided to invite last minute a guy who lives in my hometown, um, well, near my hometown in Memphis, Tennessee, and he happens to be my brother's lifelong best friend's little brother, who is, you know, a few years younger than me. We had a great time. The details of it you can listen to in the episode. But we had a great time. Afterwards, we stayed in contact. He's a cool fucking guy, you know? And it was really cool that we reconnected after 10 years of not really seeing each other. I mean, we had known each other since childhood and... And so there was this newness about this connection. It was great. Every time we ended up meeting, we chit-chat. It was a fucking cool friendship, relationship that I valued. And he was going to come back out for Halloween. But <laughs> I really fucking pissed the family off. <laughs> okay. And I get it. I get it. Kind of. I mean... His parents who have known my family since child, my childhood, they listened to an episode about their son going to a sex party. I get that that's probably uncomfortable. I can see that. Gotta be honest, I never fucking in a million years imagined anybody in his family would even listen to it. <laughs> and I guess that was naive on my part. And I can recognize where it's not super, you know, I, I mean, whether it should be or not, I don't fucking know. But... I realize that it's extremely taboo to listen to an episode on a podcast of, you know, your child at a sex party. Um, I mean, my mom, <laughs> my poor mother and my brother, I don't know if anybody else in my family listens to this shit, but my mother and my brother, I'm kind of scared to ask, honestly, but my mother and my brother, I mean, they are fucking troopers. They listen to every episode. My mom's like, you know, Lauren, I spit out my coffee. She's just, I'm on the edge of my seat, just wondering what you're going to say. Like I have been since you were three years old. I'm stressed, but like at the end of the day, like she's here for it. And I love that I have that support system, but that's a, a side note. Um, I understand that it was uncomfortable for them, right? And it's not typical to have to hear, you know, about your son or about your kid in general at a sex party. But here's the thing. And here's like why I'm even here. I understand that these conversations are uncomfortable, but like, yeah, parts of life are uncomfortable and 
and that's even why I, I I'm here in the in the first place. But the thing is, is like when it comes to sex, the other reason I'm here to kind of shine light on this thing that has been demonized, but also put on a pedestal, and like we're all left just like what the fuck is going on, right? And so the thing is, is like with sexuality, there are so many different ways to explore it. Sexuality is such a multi-dimensional fucking complex thing and we are not taught about it and we have no idea how to properly explore it and the thing is is at the end of the day there are so many different ways to explore it. There always have been. When it comes to sex parties in particular where people are having sex in the open people engaging in this extremely intimate act in a container that is created that feels safe and extremely everyone is there consensually and so on. I mean, this shit's been going on since the beginning of time, guys. Like, there's fucking orgies in the Bible. And on top of that, just uh, there's shit tons of ways that people explore sexuality. And there always have been. And the thing is, is a part of us is fucking interested in it. I mean, look at Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. We're all sick fucks then, right? Like, we're all interested in watching these these cousins fuck and the fucking orgies and um, fucking dark-ass fantasy shit that goes on. I mean, it's there, guys. It's in us. It's human nature. We've kind of, like, constructed how it is that we accept it these days, but, like, different ways of fucking exploring sexuality is all there, right? Um, same genders, different genders, kinks, all fucking sorts of shit. And just it's because it's different than what we like or something that we haven't experienced or can't even begin to understand ourselves doesn't necessarily make it bad. And more so, like, what I'm really kind of concerned about, like, kind of my whole jam and jelly here is like, God, that's so cheesy, jam and jelly, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> My jam and jelly is, I said it again, fuck. <laughs> My shit is that when things are left in the dark, they are susceptible to dark shit. They are susceptible to getting exploited. That's when things happen that don't get talked about. And that's where shame and grief and anger and self-hate and all that shit is bred. It's, it's just in the dark. It happens in the dark and it stays in the dark because, again, we don't know how to talk about it. When all of that shit is kept in the dark, kept in the dark inside of us, that's when fucking outbursts happen. That's why people go crazy and do fucked up shit. It's because all of this fucking darkness, things that have happened in the dark and that stay in the dark and that live in the dark inside of us, fucking explode like toxic poison everywhere in whatever way. And this is not something, this is not a new concept that I've talked about here or I've thought about. It's part of the reason that I even wanted to start this. But recently, you know, I've started asking myself if all of this shit is so awful, if it's so fucked up that we keep this shit in the dark and it obviously creates so much toxic energy around us, why do we keep doing it? Like, why do we keep it in the dark? Why don't we shine a light on it? And so that leads me to ask myself, well, okay, what's the advantages of 
leaving it in the dark. And kind of what I've come up with is that leaving shit in the dark makes it a lot easier to throw stones and pretend that you're not living in a glass house. It makes it really easy to slut shame someone if no one knows you slept with the whole football team and you've been carrying it around as shame for fucking two decades. It's easy to judge someone who explores their sexuality openly when you explore yours in the dark outside of the agreed upon boundaries within your partnership or marriage without even ever even talking to your partner about it or being open with them about it or to anyone for that matter. You know, like where the light shines, you can't really hide. Can you? Can I? I mean, fuck. And sometimes, you know, like the light shines on some shit, on some truth that makes you really uncomfortable. And it's our responsibility to respond to that. When somebody's truth or something's truth makes us uncomfortable or makes us feel a certain way, it's our responsibility and it's our privilege and it's our, it's not even a privilege, it's a fucking right. We get to respond to that. But our response is our own. And whoever else's response to our response, that's their own. It's all just a bunch of truths, small T's that collectively make the big T. And it all just fucking exists. And you have the freedom to have your small T, man. Small T the fuck out of your life. I love that for you. But you can't place your rights and your wrongs and your truths on me or anyone else. Just like I can't do that to you. And that's not what I get on here to do. Like, I really never want to come off like I am trying to force any type of way of life onto anyone. I want to have a conversation. And sometimes they're going to make me uncomfortable. Sometimes I'll get defensive. Sometimes I'll act like a bitch. Sometimes I'll respond in better ways than others, you know? And that's, that's my problem, not yours. And it's the same vice versa. But, like, you can't put your rights and wrongs on me. You can't put it on, on your neighbor. You can't put it on your, your spouse, even. You can't even put it on your fucking kids. Because it's yours. It's not mine to protect. So this brings me... <laughs> so this brings me to the aftermath of my sex party episode. A couple weeks ago, after it was released, I got a call. And, I mean, seeing as everyone's pissed anyways, <laughs> Dickie rang me up. Actually, my brother and I, because my poor brother, who's, I mean, they're best friends, right? Like, poor brother got dragged into this shit. You know, basically, Dickie was pissed. Dickie's pissed. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe, I guess. I don't know. I really can't understand really can't get to the bottom of what he's actually pissed about. Basically, I felt that my character was attacked, that I was made into essentially a monster who was influencing James Bond. <laughs> this is such a serious conversation and it feels a little bit ridiculous to be calling <laughs> um, these people by, the, by their formerly made nicknames. Um, the message was essentially to stay away from James Bond <laughs> and that there's no way to put this nicely, Lauren, but you're kind of a bad influence. 
which is what I ended up being for Halloween. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. And it hurt, man. It fucking hurt that somebody who I've known my whole life has such a low opinion of me because of what I do, what I put out in the world, the way that I am, who I am. It's not even the fact that it's, you know, his best friend's sister. It's because it's me. That fucking stings, man. But okay, like, you're entitled to that opinion. <laughs> and so it hurts. But the thing about it is, is their reaction to this and I have to say, you know, I grew up in fucking all of Branch, Mississippi, guys. It's the Bible Belt. I mean, there are some great people there who I vibe with. But it's just a different world than, than you know, what I know. And, and it definitely formed the basis of who I am. When I left, it showed me that I lived in a bubble and then it you know, showed me, well, if that's a bubble, then what's this? And so I just chose to keep expanding the bubble. And, but I'm from the South and there is a fucking paradigm there. The thing is, is yes, while it hurts, it just led me to such a deeper realization of like, this is exactly why I'm having these conversations. Their response is so much of why I think these conversations are important. Because, I mean, I was told that his parents think that I was putting him into sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. <laughs> if anything, I am on a fucking mission to eradicate sex trafficking. Because, again, when you put things in the light... This is a conversation for another time, but prostitution, that kind of shit, like when you put shit in the light, when you, when you talk about it, when you regulate it in some way, there's a lot less opportunity to exploit it. And that's the thing is like so many of our opinions and our beliefs about sex and the way we should or should not, whatever the fuck should means, explore it or go about it are just so fucking ill-informed and sad. So that was the first concern that I got James Bond involved in the sex trade or sex work, what have you. But the second concern was that he was going to be sent home with a long list of STIs because, you know, it's so much easier to get them in this environment than from someone that you meet out at a bar or fuck from high school. <laughs> and I understand why these myths and ideas and stigmas and really ill-informed opinions exist because we're not ever really taught about STIs in a practical way. And in my experience, people in the lifestyle, because they are more open and they are more conscious of their sexual health, they are more willing to talk about it, they are more informed about how they're transmitted and the effects of different infections, and it's not so stigmatized People who are non-monogamous and ethically, quote-unquote, non-monogamous, open about it, they are open about the fact that they have different partners. And so they take the time to 
learn about STIs in a practical way versus jumping to the absolute worst conclusions rooted in the fear that was instilled in us when we were taught about STIs by being told, <laughs> don't have sex because you're going to get AIDS and die. And the thing is, is that the same likelihood of you getting AIDS and dying, that same concept exists whether you're sleeping your way through a sex party or through your high school or college or office or Bumble or what the fuck ever, the bars in your city, that likelihood is all still there. So really, it's the stigma around it. Where it's stigmatized in college and in Bumble and at the bars and all this shit, it's less likely to be talked about, actually. But when you are in situations where people are openly non-monogamous, it makes it a lot easier to have that conversation. And actually, while we're on the topic, I mean, being open in that way, a lot of people are open. They're just not fucking being honest about it. A lot of people have six bumble dudes on the string, but they're not really talking about what their test results are because they're not talking about the fact that there's six bumble dudes on the string. We have the responsibility when we go into sexual experiences to either ask or protect yourself in some way. Like that responsibility is up to us regardless of where we decide or how we decide or in what manner, who, with, on what fucking planet we decide to have sex. And the thing is too, is it's like at the end of the fucking day, and this is something I have talked about on episodes prior, each and every one of us, man, like each and every one of us has the freedom to do what we want with our lives. But it's even deeper than that. It's deeper than just having the freedom, having the ability. We fucking owe it to ourselves. We owe it to ourselves to explore our own happiness, our own path, our own desires, whatever weird fucking shit we want to experience or explore or dive into in this life. BJ Miller, palliative physician, so basically someone who has made a career out of being with people at the end of their lives, he has a TED talk called What Really Matters at the End of Life, and he's written a book, and he basically just talks about how time and time and time again, people's biggest regrets when they're dying is that they spent so much time trying to make other people happy and not living for themselves. It's fucking regret. We are the only ones who have to sit with ourselves at the end of life's long day. Are we going to be at the end of our lives wishing we had done the shit we wanted to but didn't because we were so caught up in who we disappointed or who disapproved of us or who said what and who did that? Like, like, are we really going to live that way? And it's like, the funny thing is, is like, where are they now? Where are those people? And even if in the oft fucking chance that they are in that room on your, of your deathbed, it's only you in that experience. But if they are physically in the room, I don't want to look at them with resentment simply because I denied myself what I truly desired on their behalf. And now I'm resenting them simply for, for rejecting myself. You know, a few years ago in 2017, I was in Thailand and literally boarding a plane to South Korea to move there to teach. And it was the very day 
that our dear Donald Trump um, declared that he was going to, you know, fire and fury on North Korea. And I was getting on the, I was literally boarding the plane and my family was calling me. They were freaking the fuck out. Mom, who's usually level-headed, was also freaking the fuck out. She offered to pay for a yoga retreat to do anything to not put me on that plane. And in the last minute, you know, I decided I was like, first of all, like, I'm not going to let fear and evil fucking win in this world. Like me not getting on this plane is fucking fear. And I'm not going to let that win. So after, I mean, I was the last motherfucker on that plane and I almost didn't go. But I had to because I didn't want to like resent them because I felt in my heart that I needed to go and I felt in my heart that it was going to be fine. And I, that's what I desired. And whatever come, whatever it may, like I was fucking there for it. I had committed to it. And I, me not getting on that plane would have been me living for someone else's desires for me. And while I see that their intentions are incredible and benevolent, like I would have resented them. I don't want that. And I got on the plane and Korea was some of the most incredible and rewarding times of my life. And I ended up getting a, an amazing job there at a government organization, had great benefits and amazing vacation time. And when I got that job, my family was so proud of me. You know, I had finally gotten my shit together. I, you know, was working this big girl job, taking care of myself in the corporate world. And I loved that feeling of my family being proud of me and like having my shit together. But I never wanted to work in the corporate world. I didn't move to Korea or start traveling to work in the corporate world. So I decided to quit to go like fucking lollygag around in Bali and do yoga and, you know, do all this shit that isn't really, not really climbing the ladders of success. But it's like, I couldn't just stay there because my family is proud of me because this is a great job for all these other reasons. Like, because I would resent them again, because this isn't what I want. Had I stayed at that job, I would have been there for the money. I would have been there for you know, the status to stay I was there. I would have been there to make my family proud, to feel like I'm doing something they can be proud of. But at the end of the day, like, that's not, that wasn't living my life for me. It was fun and it served me for a while it did, but like, I gotta move the fuck on, even if that means looking irresponsible or looking like a degenerate or looking, you know, without direction. I can't even count on two hands how many times I've been accused of kind of just lacking direction, you know? I guess that's where I got my old IG handle, wanderlusting, you know? Like, bitches, I'm not lost. I'm just wanderlusting, you know what I'm saying? But... This whole idea of, you know, making my family proud, making people proud, it actually kind of brings me to a comment that was made on this call with Dickie that really fucking hurt and also kind of was very attached to a much deeper kind of well of feelings and, uh, you know, a backstory and things. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's easier when... The hate and the shade comes from people who don't know you because it's like, ah, that's bullshit. Like, whatever. They don't know me. But when it comes from people who do know you, who, who you thought knew you, actually, who you thought had your back, like, who you thought were family, essentially, <laughs> when it comes from them and 
I know a lot of people fucking get that and it, it hurts. Dickie said to me that, you know, Lauren, even your own father thinks you're a bad influence. He told my dad that he wishes Lance, my brother, wouldn't hang out with you. And if you know me, like my brother and I are extremely close. He moved out to California and we have been through shit together, but we're also like, we're, we're tight as fuck. And honestly, we're both doing really well in life. <laughs> like we're both, you know, we're always dealing with shit, but we got each other and we're fucking happy, you know? And so to hear that not only come out of somebody who's I considered a brother, but also to hear that it was my own father's words. For my own father's words to be used against me in this narrative, it was something that they were able to use against me to fill their narrative about me. Like, that fucking hurt. And I feel like it was said to hurt me. And that hurts. As I've gotten older, my dad is, my dad is a wonderful person. He was a great dad. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, like, he, he, I mean, he basically is a giant kid. Like, he always showed up in the way that a father should. Again, I hate that word, but the best, I mean, the best way I think, I think he could. As I got older, and I, of course, moved to California, but I also started to develop, you know, deeper emotional needs. <laughs> I'm a deep-ass, feelsio fucking bitch. And in that sense, I have struggled in my relationship with my father over the last, you know, 10 years. Dickie knows that. <laughs> you know, I used to, years ago, I used to question whether my father loves me, <laughs> even. Because he's not a super naturally affectionate person. I eventually kind of realized that he is just as imperfect of a human as me and has all of his own shit and pain and life and stories. Also, like, his love language just looks different than not even my own because I think we actually share the same love language acts of service. Maybe he passed it down. But I think it was different than what I expected and what I, you know what I would see in other father-daughter relationships. But I know that my father loves me, especially through his acts of service. Um, I was just in Memphis recently, and um, I talk about my dear friend and photographer, Skip, who went with me, and he actually brought up, damn, like, your dad really shows up for you. I'm a vegetarian and Mississippi fucking sucks for vegetarians. And first night I'm there, we go to a barbecue restaurant and dad brings a bag of non-meat goodies so that my ass isn't starving. I never had to, when I moved to California, I was like, wait, I have to take my car somewhere to get it serviced because he just always did it for me. He showed up in those ways. And I think it took me a long time to really realize that. And I worked really hard to kind of figure out why I wasn't feeling that love. I had to figure out how to heal that in the only way that I can. And then I like wanted to heal our relationship, right? I'm like, fuck yeah, right? I was in Bali. I was doing this like spiritual journey. In fact, while I was there, while I was kind of healing this part of myself, 
I got a new number. I got a Bali number. And I don't think I, I didn't. I didn't tell him for a while, for a couple months, because I was just angry. I was just figuring it out. One day my brother was literally like, Lauren, have you told him? Because <laughs> it's not like he did anything specific. I was just angry, you know? And he's like, have you told him? And I said, oh, well, no. And so then I decided, okay, all right, I'm ready. Let's have a conversation. We're gonna talk, you know, I wanna heal our relationship now. I went to Mississippi during quarantine. I was like, perfect timing, you know. And the thing is, is I, I actively did. I, I tried to change him. I was like, I've changed a lot. You know, I've, I've realized these things and now I wanna change you. <laughs> I want to ask you the questions. I want to speak life into you. I want to, you know, help you shift so that you can, you know, show up for me in the ways that I've just realized recently that I, I want you to show up for me in the ways that I need you to show up for me. But it wasn't until actually just a couple of months ago through a completely unrelated situation that I realized that I never once, not fucking once, actually said how I felt or why I was hurt or why I felt disconnected. I was very much focused on shifting him into the mold that he could fit so that I could receive my needs for him without ever actually expressing what my needs were or what I desired from him. And that was just seriously a few fucking months ago. And in true Lauren fashion, I'm, I mean, some of this shit, I still haven't actually said directly to him um, but, <laughs> and so it's not that, you know, if he loves me, if he doesn't love me, I know this man loves me, you know, he's, I know he does, I feel it, but I think what this shit that Dickie said to me about, you know, even your dad thinks you're a bad influence, like, even he doesn't want you to even hang out with your own brother, it spoke to such a deeper insecurity that I, I realized that I have, it was like, it's been there all along. This just kind of shine that fucking light on it. Was like, is he ever gonna be proud? Is he ever gonna like just accept me for who I am and what I do and what I put out in the world and why I do it and the way that I choose to live my life? Or, you know, am I always just gonna feel like I have to prove myself, prove my worthiness? Like once I, you know, once I do this or once I do this, like, then I will achieve this success where he will say, daughter, I am proud. <laughs> you know, I'm proud to call you mine. Proud I brought you into this world. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it is that natural instinct to just want to get the approval of the people who brought you into this fucking world. Because if they don't fucking accept you, who the fuck does? <laughs> like, I mean, or who the fuck will? Like, it's pretty gnarly, man. And I realized that because of this kind of disconnect that we've had over the years, I've, I have feared that. And I guess this conversation of having his words used against me, I guess it made it just so real. At this point, I didn't call him immediately, of course. I wanted to, to sit with it. And I also was very um, real with the fact that I think that that comment and some of the other comments that were made were made intentionally to hurt me. Maybe not intentionally, but they were made to, to prove a point, man. And when people are so desperate to prove their narrative, the fucking boundary line really gets blurred. 
things come out of context. And so I didn't immediately accuse. I felt hurt that it obviously came from somewhere. I figured it's not total bullshit. Maybe it got pulled out of context, but, and also just sitting with that very real fear of, wow, maybe he does think I'm a bad influence. Maybe my own father does think I'm a piece of shit. Maybe he does like <laughs> think I'm a fucking waste of space or an absolute embarrassment. Again, like I grew up in Olive Branch, Mississippi, you know, and he still lives there. There are cultural norms there. And I mean, I think f people fail to kind of acknowledge not just there, but everywhere that there's cultural norms and then there's human nature. Humans are humans everywhere and humans have weird and uh, I mean perspective like in our own perspective People have weird crazy desires. What whatever we're humans. There's as many fucking ways to be human as there are of us Boys are born who want dick and they live in the south and that's really fucking tough If I was one of them, I would absolutely leave women are born who want to show their bodies or who want to be watched while they have sex, or whatever the fuck. And honestly, it's their lives. They should be able to do that. But the reality of it is that my dad does live in this place, and he does, you know, confront and is confronted by people who I knew when I was a child and who have watched me grow up and leave and do my thing and now do this thing. And it was the first time that I really sat with the possibility of dad could have said this a year ago, two years ago, you know, a year ago during quarantine, I actually was a fucking shit show. Absolutely. Entirely. I will definitely own that. Um, but like, what else was there to do? And we were in a global pandemic, like, fuck me, dude, like, sorry. But the idea of him potentially saying it a month ago, when I do feel like I've been putting my heart and my soul into not only my own personal development and growth, but also like this fucking queendom, man, like the community that I have around me that I've, that I've built this, this year in no time and the opportunities that have been created, like just the life that I have that I'm, I'm really proud of right now, you know, I'm like, damn. And I know that some people don't fuck with it and that's, that is what it is. But for my own father, the potential that, you know, maybe two months ago he was saying I'm a bad influence because of who I am today, what I do today, what I put out there, what I, how I am, who I am again. And I sat with it for a couple of days. I actually did do better than the Bali situation this time. You know, he called me and I didn't answer. And he sent me a text and it's interesting actually because I didn't want to tell my grandmother what was going on because God bless her, but boy, does she run her mouth. And then, you know, <laughs> she's also like 87, so things can get lost in translation. So I just kind of texted her too, you know, like she was calling, calling, and I was just like, hey, super busy, you know, dealing with some things, just need some space. But she's super connected to me, by the way. Like anytime shit's going on in my life, like she knows it's crazy. But you know, my dad, like I said, he's not usually super verbal with his love, not super really affectionate, but I did. I got a text message that said, hey, just want to hear your voice checking in on you. Love you. 
And I was like texting my grandma and my mom and my, my brother. I'm like, who fucking spilled the beans? Like, I, you know, who talked to him? And nobody had. He didn't, to my understanding, didn't even know what was going on. So that's a fucking weird energetic thing. So I eventually, I sent him a text message and I said, hey, you know, I haven't meant to ignore you. I have just been extremely busy, which I had been, and also needed some time to manage my emotions, but I would love to talk to you when you have a sec. He called me as soon as he got off work. Before I spoke to him, I journaled and I really just kind of dove into this very real and deep kind of fear of not being accepted by him for who I am. Talk about, you know, the world and everyone else. I talk about that shit all the time. This is like <laughs> the pinnacle of my inner child wanting to be accepted by their father, you know, and like fucking coming to terms with that. And I just had to decide and realize that I still can't live my life doing or not doing things just to make him proud. Because at the end of the day, just like everyone else, the fact that he's my father doesn't exclude him from the fact that his response to me, his opinions about what I do, his judgments, his whatever, that's on him. He's allowed to have them. He's free to have them. All of our opinions are just projections. <laughs> they're just, whether they're good, bad, in between, whatever, like there's no good and bad, but wherever they land, you know, like our projections are just, are just mirrors of our own beliefs and stories and experiences. And so I can't take that on and it's fucking hard and it's not something I decide and then I just, I'm going to master and then it's going to be fine. But at least that is the foundation. Can't live my life like that. And I can't say or not say things simply because I'm afraid of his response any more than I can say or not say things because I'm afraid of anybody else's response. Again, like my family, him, like it doesn't exclude them. And it still doesn't mean that they can put their rights and wrongs on me. We all have, we have different experiences. We grow up in different spaces and different times. Like because we're blood does not mean your rights and wrongs are mine to protect. And I had to sit with that for a minute, man. I had to sit with the possibility of like, fuck, maybe I won't ever get his acceptance. And that sucks. But I can't attach myself to that outcome anymore. And so I had a conversation with him. And, and the first thing, you know, is the comment was taken extremely out of context. It was a game of telephone and it was said a long time ago when I was an extremely different person. Um, when I was fucking absolutely partying my ass off and, and not doing, um, <laughs> you know, not doing too much except for just living life and exploring, which I actually don't think there's a problem with that. But I, from a parent's perspective, you know, I'm, I was a fucking party animal. And so, but even still, like the comment was still taken out of context. And also should have just never, like my father should have never been brought into this. My father and I's relationship should have never been brought into this conversation, especially by someone who knows the, the history 
and the depths of it and what it means to me that my father and I's relationship has been getting rebuilt and is stronger now than ever. And then for this wrench to be thrown into it, like it's just fucked up. But the silver lining of this all, the silver lining of it all is that I was able to have a conversation with him and share this very real feeling, the hurt of the possible comment the feeling of, damn, like that actually is something that I have struggled with. Thinking that you think that I'm just kind of a piece of shit and a bad influence and a fuck up and a degenerate and like not going anywhere in life, not doing anything in life. And I told him, but I really was detached. I had actively, intentionally detached myself as much as I could from his response because Honestly, for as long as I've been attached to the response, for as long as I've been worried about what he would say to opening up about what I do or what I put out there, I haven't even been able to have the conversation because I'm so nervous, I'm so attached to that response. It was the first time that we actually, you know, we talked about the fact that I put out an episode about a lifestyle party. Now, I mean, I didn't go into explicit details for his sake, told him I went to a party of a certain lifestyle. <laughs> we talked about why I do this. We talked about putting things in the light and we talked about the culture that I grew up in and the differences and what I've experienced in my own life through travel and just exploring different shit and just being, you know, who I am and having that thirst for, for variety. <laughs> and honestly, I think true freedom because I want to know my options. The thing is, is I feel like what I wanted so badly, you know, his acceptance and him to be proud of me. It was like I harbored this, like I wanted it so bad that I was so attached to it that it's like I couldn't have it. I couldn't get it. I was scared to get it. It was once I detached myself from that and found it within myself, like found that acceptance, found that, yeah, bitch, like you've come a long way, man. You're actually doing really well. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Once I found that, I was able to have that conversation. And that's when I learned that, yo, like my dad's on my team. <laughs> Yeah, we, today I had a conversation with him about fucking chakras and shit, kundalini yoga and energy and, and you know, I'm telling him, like, look this shit up, it's real. But, like, he doesn't necessarily agree with probably the fucking most of what I say, but he is happy if I'm happy. He told me, you know, I would never suggest or advise that you take the path I did, the nine to five thing, like... If I can do something that I enjoy and, and make a living of it, even if it's unusual or not what people think is normal, if it makes me happy and if I can make money off of it, then fucking go for it. And honestly, he was pretty upset and angry that his words would be taken out of context and used against me. Because honestly, it's, it's fucked up. Bringing it full fucking circle. The hate's out there, man. It's gonna be out there. It's always gonna be out there. It's gonna be out there wide and far and really close and really fucking near. And my conversation with my dad could have gone differently. And I know that there are so many people whose conversations do go differently and like, fuck, my heart goes out for you. 
Yeah, my fucking heart goes out for you men. To not be accepted by anyone, it's hard. When you start being true and at least to yourself, like you're gonna get that. But feeling that like non-acceptance from people who bring you into the world or the people who are related to you by blood, I mean, it just, it hurts, it, it fucking hits different. And I get it, and my heart's out there with you guys. I can, I just, there are no words to tell you how much I feel with and for you. And you know, the thing is, is I actually, I, I have family who I know for a fact does think I'm a disgrace. I have family who absolutely thinks that I am too much and has their opinions and, and all of that. And it's, it's not really family that, <laughs> that I'm as concerned with, <laughs> but. I am extremely grateful that I was able to have that conversation with my dad. But at the end of the day, it's still my life regardless. And when I live it authentically for me, and when I'm, you know, shifting and moving and growing it authentically based on what I desire and what I want out of this life, I discover who... <laughs> Who's with me? Who's in my tribe? Who fucks with me for me and not for the person that I try so hard to be to please them? And honestly, anything that's authentic, anything that's genuine, anything that's real changes and shifts and grows because if it doesn't, that means that it's fucking dead and rotting. And so some people who genuinely fucked with me my whole life don't anymore and that's fine seasons change just because there's snow on the ground and it's fucking sticky and wet right now doesn't mean that summer wasn't real and that it didn't exist and that it doesn't teach us amazing things it doesn't mean it's all null and void but it does mean that seasons shift and seasons change new flowers come and go and there will be, hopefully, I know I've got like a tribe that I, I do feel like are kind of more of permanent fixtures through the seasons. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful for that because it can be fucking hard to live in your truth, whatever that means. People will judge you, shit on you. People you've known your whole life will attack you, will shit on your character and talk shit about you and to you and walk out the door. But the thing is, if, if I shift to fit your mold, we may have a relationship on the surface, but eventually I am just going to resent you. I'm going to resent you because I didn't honor myself. I didn't honor my truth on your behalf. And that's not even your fault. It's mine. And on a wider scale, if I'm trying to please the world and if I'm trying to do right by it, I'm eventually just going to resent it too. And just life in general. Because I spent it living for everything and everyone other than myself. I don't want that. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to resent. I don't want to regret. At the end of the day... <laughs> It's kind of fucked up and morbid and insane that that's kind of been one of my worst fears. It has been since I was really young. Just being on my deathbed and realizing, like, this is it. 
There's no more chances. There's no more conversations. There's no more tomorrows or, or second chances or time to fix what I've broken. You know, I always said I was going to go skydiving. Never did. That can't happen now. <laughs> I know this is super depressing, but guys, it's fucking true. It's been my worst fear, you know, and I don't want that. I don't want that at all. So instead, I'm choosing to fucking keep showing up and trying to be as fucking honest as I can with myself and with you. I am grateful for those of you who connect with me and who I connect with. And I'm grateful for those of you who don't connect with me and who I don't connect with because, you know, contrast is the beauty of life. And honestly, I am such a busy bitch. I don't even have time to manage the connections I have. So I couldn't imagine if everyone connected with me. Like, it's good. I'm grateful for you too. If we connected in the past and we don't anymore, thank you. I am extremely fortunate to have learned so much and to have been taught what it is that I desire to be shown what it is that I desire in this life and to have been given the courage to actually follow that desire. And that is my hope for every single one of you. That's why I'm here. That's why I have this space. So that's it. <laughs> I swear I feel like you're probably well, like, thank fuck. <laughs> um, no, thank you guys. Honestly, I know it was <laughs> a little heavier of an episode. We'll get back to talking about sex and debauchery and bullshit next week. But um, <laughs> I appreciate you guys showing up to this space. I appreciate the feedback, the fucking contrast. I appreciate all of it. I appreciate you. I'm going to get the fuck off of this mic. It's late. <laughs> I love you. Thank you, guys. Please send me your thoughts, um, uh, questions. I don't know. Like, <laughs> wait. Your opinions, your stories, at Queendom Low, or I just set up my Queendom Low email address so we can try it. <laughs> Low at Queendom. No. Yeah. Low at queendomlow.com, actually. I think it should work. Someone try it. <laughs> Send me an email. <laughs> I would love to hear from you. All right, sexy fuckers. I'll see you next week. <laughs>